Hey there, I'm Stevie. I'm a musician from New York City and the host of This Next Song's About. This is a podcast for songwriters and music fans alike. In this podcast, I'm going to take you behind the scenes for a closer look at how musicians write their songs, what their career's been like, and I'll also try to uncover some of the secrets of the industry with music experts from across the nation. This is the first episode of the season in the show's new format, and I am so excited for what's to come. Kicking off our first episode, I chatted with Kyle Lacey, rockabilly multi-instrumentalist whose influences range from soul music of Sam Cooke and Aretha Franklin to the swing sounds of Brian Setzer. I met Kyle at a show that we played together in New York City, and I was blown away by his musicianship and his onstage presence. His debut solo album, The Road to Tomorrow, has garnered rave reviews from music publications and was named number two album of the year by Songpicker. Kyle's going to play a song for us, and we're going to chat more about his album. I loved this interview. I hope you do too. Let me introduce you to Mr. Kyle Lacey. Kyle Lacey, welcome to This Next Song's About. You are my first guest of technically season two. So welcome and thank you very much for being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. You know, I don't know if you uh, could hear that, but we live right by the train. And as you introduced me, there was a little bit of an orchestral rumble <laughs> coming through the, the floor of the apartment. So I felt like it was a perfect introduction. Kyle Lacey! Yes. Like that. <laughs> no. Me being obsessed <laughs> with uh, subway trains. When I first moved to New York, I was like, I visited this website called Second Avenue Sagas every day to learn the progress of the new Second Avenue subway. I was so intrigued. <laughs> I love it. The Q train. That's, that's yeah. the tra- subway I'm on. Yeah. When the, when I first moved to New York, the Q did not go to the Upper East Side. It went all the way to Astoria. Did it? When did you first yeah. move to New York then? In 2013. Ah. Yes, it went all the way to Astoria Ditmars, just like the N train, and there was no W. You're showing some serious New York chops there, <laughs> more so than me. No, no. Which isn't hard. <laughs> but Kyle, Lacey, you are from Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. So a slight southern lilt to your accent. Oh, do I? That's funny. Most people say they can't tell um, that I'm from Atlanta. And I tell them, you know, my mom was a radio broadcaster and is uh, a radio journalist. So a lot of uh, a lot of the proper way of talking comes from from her. But but um, yeah, definitely absorbed uh, certain aspects of the regional culture, including cuisines and uh, maybe a few dialect things. I like to think that the uh, southern Anything that I may have in my southernisms in my dialect probably comes from Oklahoma, actually, because I went there for college and I used to sing in a church there. And I come back home from uh, from college and and talk to my parents and I'd say I picked up this one word in particular. I would say the word ma. I don't know if you've ever heard the word ma before, but in context, it sounds like this. I'm going to go to the store and get my beef or I'm going to go to my, my locker and get my books. So I had picked that up from the, the Oklahoma uh, friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, maybe maybe also there's a certain element where I like to be seen as a Southerner, so I lean into it. But 
I can talk pretty proper if I make myself. I just I love a southern accent. I can't help it. You know, us Brits, that's what we that's what we fall for, but I think with with Americans Is it who, really? Yeah. Is we love our it. southern accents popular in Britain? Oh yeah. We love we love a southern accent. Hmm. I think it's Maybe so that partially explains the the maybe that partially explains uh, like going even going all the way back to like the Beatles uh, and obsession yeah. with Americana music and culture. Mm. A little bit. Oh, I mix up the for a second. I was mixing up the Beatles and the Stones. Um, I don't know too much about the Beatles and their history, but the Stones were were would have you know they loved that, and I think they they recorded at Muscle Shoals. I think that's true. I don't know, but probably at some point. I think they did. I'm going to go with. But that. I'm not going to go ahead and make assertions that I have no proof of. But I watched. But I just mean like the Beatles, you know, singing like "Long Tall Sally" and and "Twist and Shout," and you know, I mean, American music, you know, being so popular at the time, and them sort of channeling that into something, you know. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, old American influences, Kyle Lacey is. Uh, I think I just want to read some of your bio because I, I think it's delightful and delightfully. Oh God, charming. no! Don't we're, no. We're, we're doing it. <laughs> Kyle Lazy is a singer and multi-instrumentalist, originally from Atlanta, Georgia, born in 1990. However, his time machine made a quick refuel stop in 1956, and he was immediately infected with the DNA that gave birth to rock and roll. I love that. You can credit that to my good friend Warren Malone, um, <laughs> and uh, then credit the fact that it's out there to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Try as he could to escape those roots, he only made stops for the soul of Sam Cooke and Aretha Franklin, the soul folk of Van Morrison, and the swing of Brian Setzer. I don't know Brian Setzer, actually. Brian Setzer was the lead singer and guitar player of the band The Stray Cats. If you're familiar with uh, The Stray Cats strut or Rock This Town, they were really big on MTV back when MTV first came out. Uh, And it was part of the whole rockabilly revival, Stray Cats, The Blasters, Reverend Horton Heat, uh... Lots of other bands that I'm forgetting. A little bit Robert Gordon, uh, Link Ray, sort of that that MTV era of rockabilly, mm-hmm. uh, if you will. And where did you get those influences from? Is that from your radio presenter mother, who was perhaps playing those no, things? No, actually, radio? tis my father that oh. uh, that uh, brought the the rockabilly and the swing into my life because my father's a big fan of jazz music and. And uh, the 90s swing revival was in full tilt um, when I was a kid. And my dad had all the trendy swing albums from, you know, those aptly named bands like the Cherry Poppin' Daddies and the uh, the Brian Setzer Orchestra was one. That was Brian Setzer's next project after the Stray Cats. Mm -hmm. He did the Brian Setzer Orchestra. They had a hit covering a Louis Prima tune called Jump, Jive and Whale, which was on a Gap commercial, which made the whole swing revival kind of explode into popular culture. So found out about them, and then I found out about the Stray Cats, and I like that even better. So I mm-hmm. departed from the swing revival into the rockabilly stuff. <laughs> uh, well, it's great stuff, and I, I love it. And I, I love the album, so it's called The Road to Tomorrow. Yes, uh, a very cheesy title, which I um, thought of because I'm obsessed. Well, at the time, uh, we were touring all the time, and... It just felt right, and so we did a, a photo shoot from the inside of my van that we travel in. 
I don't know. I might sell it. This thing is a 1987 Ford Econoline, and it it runs about as good as you would expect a 1987 van to run at this point in 2021. But anyway, I, I was really enamored of the whole, like, let's be hippies in a van and tour the the album for all of 2020. Of course, that didn't happen. Uh, but... But anyway, so yeah, so The Road to Tomorrow was kind of an album of transitional songs, and I felt like the the title fit, you know. All right, so Kyle, would you like to play us a song this evening? You know, I was thinking I would. Yeah? What song are you going to play us? I'm going to play, if I can find my capo, I'm going to play a song called Miss You in the Morning. Oh, I like that one. Which was the first... Well, it's the second single. It came out in uh, right before the album's release last year in 2020. So this is Miss You in the Morning. It hasn't always been an easy thing to do Walking up to somebody Telling them that it's through Yes, I've bitten off way more than I could chew I'm looking on down the road, looking on down the road And not in a review And I miss you in the morning I may miss you in the night Every single dark day I think about you when I'm not alright I thought you would be there Setting my song free But you told me loud And I think it's time That I get what I need Well I spent some hours crying Laying around being sad Wishing somebody would come up and fix every problem that I had Masquerading through my days, stealing my every move Telling me I didn't have a choice when I was the one who was choosing you And I may miss you in the morning and I may miss you in the night Every single dark day I think about you when I'm not alright would be there setting my song free but you told me loud and I think it's time that I get what I need
<laughs> rapturous applause there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carl. It's just so great to be even playing anything, you know, playing with another person, playing music to another person or for a podcast or anything like that. Yeah. Sorry, do you want to switch your re- uh, reverb off? Oh, yes, definitely I do. Thank you. Although I do like feeling like I'm standing on a stage in a <laughs> recital hall uh, when I'm speaking to anyone, uh, I mm. feel like, yes, more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. So what's it been like? We've been in this period now for nearly a year of live streaming, virtual gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been able to do some some outdoor gigs. I, I mean, I've seen you live stream doing shows in New York when it's, I'm, I can't translate the temperatures, but when it's obviously below freezing. So what is, <laughs> tell me what it's been like for you this last year. And, you know, you released an album in February, 2020. And unfortunately in March, 2020, uh, the world shut down. Yeah, I like to think of that as kind of a good thing for me. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> uh-huh. but like, what are you going to do? You know, every, I mean, like, yes, you're right. i I was pretty, you know, stymied by what happened and everyone was, but I don't know. I feel like if you don't think of it as a good thing, then you start to get bitter. Mm -hmm. So I thought I tried to think of it as an opportunity, but I, I like tried to think of it as an opportunity to do something differently. And I tried to use it as an opportunity to grow, especially with like, um, recording at home for the first time in a long time. I bought a Tascam Porta Studio tape recorder and I started doing like a bunch of uh, home recordings and I released a bunch of EPs last year that I made myself. And and uh, then, of course, you know, the summer came around and I was lucky enough to have a, a couple private gigs, one, one or two gigs in New York. And then uh, I moved back to New York. I was living in South Carolina and I moved back to New York in October. And immediately I was playing with my band on the street. And we were just like, we would go to Union Square and play for tips on Saturdays and usually walk away with like 150, 200 bucks a man, you know? So like it almost felt like things were kind of normal. And then of course, winter hit and uh, it's been like very much slower. Um, But I still think, you know, that if it hadn't happened, I would, you know, I just tried to learn as much as I could from it, you know, like, like the things that I wasn't looking after, like, for for example, I wasn't looking after the business end of my music at all. And I I learned that I needed to be doing that, you know, because all of a sudden, the, the revenue from live performances had stopped. And I was thinking about, well, what are the other sources of revenue? And now I need to get you know, should I get my songs registered on ASCAP? Of course, you know, should I register my copyrights? Should I pursue sync licensing? You know, all of these things that I wouldn't have, that I was sort of still in just in the, in the, uh, 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 what is what, what, what am I trying to say here? That I was in the early stages. Uh, yeah. Well, no. So yeah, early stages, but also just like, I was trying to portray a certain image of myself to myself about a guy who just, you know, like, work lives the hard life and and you know makes a few bucks on the road and instead of doing that i was well and i was ignoring other opportunities basically Mm -hmm. so just like trying to finally you know make a living in music that doesn't involve you know driving for 12 to 7 to 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. so the pandemic has forced you to learn the business side of it how to market yourself how to monetize Kyle Lacey? Yeah, a little bit. And and certainly and certainly also just like 
just growing up a Mm -hmm. little bit, you know, like letting things breathe. I mean, I honestly think it was probably a good thing that I didn't go out and play the album a hundred percent of the time right away. Cause now it has, now it has some staying power. Now it's been out there a while and people are starting to listen to it and really appreciate it. And we're starting to get radio play and we're starting to get, um, we're starting to get more features on blogs and playlists on Spotify or wherever else, you know, it's doing a lot better than it was when it first came out. And that's just going to make shows even better whenever they do come back, you know? So just for me to give it some space was actually probably a much better thing than if I'd just gone and hustled a hundred percent of the time, all the time, which was what I Mm -hmm. was doing (laughs) before all of this came about. So tell me about the album and and the production of it. So the producer was Billy Oxtick. Is that how I pronounce his name? Yes, Oxtick. Like an ox Mm -hmm. stick, but not spelled that way. Like Like an ox ox stick. And he has worked with the likes of Mark Ronson and Sharon Jones, which is something that you can really hear with the production of of your album. Oh, yeah. He's he's great. He, um, He was in the touring band and in the recording band of Mr. Charles Bradley and toured with Sharon Jones as well. Um, both huge artists on the Daptone record label before, before they passed away tragically, both of them, I believe from cancer. Um, and when that happened and he lost that, that source of, uh, employment but also his the whole life that he had with that he decided to focus more on the label and make it a Mm full-time thing um and that's when i met him actually was i want to say maybe a year or two after charles had passed and they were having a uh they were having a night at this venue called union pool uh where they were releasing a charles bradley posthumous album release and they had Fred Thomas of the JBs, who was playing bass there. And then um, and I went to the show and I talked to him afterwards. And and I said, um, I said, if your band is looking for a new singer, you should hire me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, all right, come on by the studio sometime and we'll we'll see, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So then I. I went over and we hung out and I brought some original songs with me and we just started sort of messing around, you know, and then uh, that the first song we recorded was the song Bad Days from Mm -hmm. the album. Um, And then we just kept hanging out and making more music. And then eventually a few sessions later, I brought the band that I've been working with live. I brought them in to do more of the recording sessions because initially it was just the two of us myself and him playing all the instruments and, you know, sort of making, making track Mm -hmm. by track. And there's so many different influences on your album. There's like soul and gospel and blues. And as you say, you know, like very much got that dap tones or dap, is it dap tones or dap kings? I'm getting very, get mixed up. Uh, Well, dap tone is the label. Um, Dap tone records, uh, dap tone records put out Amy Winehouse uh, and, many, many others. Um, but Daptone, the label is, is different from Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. That's right. That was her band. Thank you. Um, but they were named, I believe, and you know, if my roommate can hear me through the door, maybe he'll correct me when I'm done with this, but he, uh, 
he's done some recording sessions for Dabtone, and I believe the Dab Kings, the band, were named after the label, but I could be wrong about that. I wasn't sure if like if it which came first, if it was the label or would have been would have been the label. Yeah, the label's been around for a, a good long time. Um, but anyway, what was the question? <laughs> uh, influences on your album. <laughs> oh yeah, influences. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I had gotten into rockabilly really heavy with this band, the Harlem River Noise. Mm-hmm. And I were, we were touring full time for about two years. And then uh, I decided to move into more of a solo thing. And also at the same time, I was listening to, you know, Marvin Gaye and I was listening to Les McCann and Eddie Harris, which is like uh, jazz uh, fusion with you know, some pop elements thrown in there too. And I was listening to more Stevie Wonder and I was listening to definitely listening to Aretha Franklin and Sam Cooke. And, and, uh, I had been very much in the fifties world, you know, with, uh, the rockabilly stuff, but sort of moved taste wise. I'd moved into more of a late sixties, early seventies listening phase. And I think that's probably exactly what people hear on the album is just that that sort of very early soul sound yeah a very a very dry and uh, roomy uh, and breathy soul sound um you know not to be confused with like the R&B or soul of today which is very different obviously now when i listen to it it sounds like it's it's one take is that the case that's that's the miracle of of studio. No, th- so we did what we would do is we would um, do a live take yep. uh, to begin the track, but normally it was only two of us playing. Okay. The the single low and slow, uh, which is, <clears throat> and play a little bit if you like. Oh please. So the way we started that was with. Myself on piano and JC, our drummer, on drums, live, together, in one room. And we specifically tried with this song to get a sound that was very much like Les McCann and Eddie Harris live at the Montreux Jazz Festival in 1968 or 9, mm-hmm. where they were they did a, a, a recording that became kind of a hit called, well, it became a hit of uh, Roberta Flack's song compared to what and it's very spacious and it sounds very roomy and so we set up one microphone at the end of the room one microphone by the drums and one above the piano and that's the whole rhythm track is just those three mics and then we just overdubbed everything you know piece by piece onto the top of that but obviously with an ear for like you know making it sound as live as possible yeah you know I have done live records before. The first record I did with the Harlem River Noise was entirely live. Every single thing was live. Mm-hmm. The vocals all at the same time. The vocals, the bass, the guitar, the drums. Mm-hmm. And we did the entire album in two days. We did five tracks a day. And uh, I will never do that again. <laughs> Just because it it was so great, but at the same time, so stressful. Because you have this entire workload that you need to get through and at a certain point it just come, becomes about checking boxes instead of doing anything actually creative or musical right. so, 
Uh, I'm just glad to be in this space now and not necessarily going back. But yeah. hey, maybe. I mean, all the original Rockabilly records were made that way. Even the Beatles I was talking about before, uh, even the Beatles made Please Please Me in one day, famously made the entire album, apart from the singles that had already been released, which were Love Me Do and Please Please Me. The rest of the album recorded entirely in a day, you know? Well, that was my my question and somewhat my point was that with the sound that you're going for, were you also going authentically for the way that that sound was created and to also get any of the mistakes that happen when you do one-off takes? Exactly. Yeah, mistakes are good. It's mm-hmm. hard to accept it in the moment that the mistake is good because you tend to obsess about it. Actually, that's why I think tape works so well for capturing an authentic performance is because you can't really say... Like on on a tape, like we made we made our album The Road to Tomorrow on a 16 track tape recorder. And you can't edit you can't edit words and phrasing. You know, you can edit like if you want to punch in if you want to punch in, which is basically like singing uh only a part of the take, like if I had a fully realized vocal take and then I wanted to re-sing the second verse because there was something I didn't like about it, that's easy enough to do. But anything else is you can't really mess with it because it's on tape unless you were to take it and put it in pro tools you know so i don't know i think i I feel like my brain at least knowing that that can't happen i just sort of go into a more realistic performance space when i'm performing for when i'm performing in front of a microphone and there's a tape recorder it's way easier for me than when i'm singing onto a computer and i know that i have Mm -hmm. to get it perfect or make it perfect or i think i do maybe it's you know it's all in my head you know but, um, but you know, it just that's what works for me. I think there's certain producers out there that can make that can help singers get really, really amazing sounds in in the digital world. And I just maybe, you know, maybe I'm just not in that realm. Well, it sounds right wonderful. Now. Whatever you're doing to it, I do have uh, one final question, just sort of about the album and the way that you write. There were some wonderful lyrics that you kind of just sneak in there, which I, I really, really liked. And I think there was one, I've got ants in my pants. I, I forget which song that was, but I was like, did you just say I have ants Made in my pants? Made that up on the spot. And I think you did. That's one of my favorite things to do is when I'm recording a song to make lyrics up on the spot. And Rose Garden, that's, that's one of those, that's the only song on the album that I had written and recorded on a previous uh, album that is also mm-hmm. available on the album uh, with my previous band, The Harlem River Noise. And uh, our version on The Road to Tomorrow is much slower, and also Mel and Kim each take a verse. Uh, Mel and Mel Johnston and Kim Foxen sing the first two verses, and I sing the third one. And so I had only written two verses. Um, so when it came my turn, I was just going to make something up. And, I made something different up for each take, and then we ended up using the take where I said "ants in my pants." <laughs> I love it. I think it's 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 brilliant. You gotta be you gotta be true to yourself. You know, you gotta you gotta just speak whatever comes into your mind. You know, sometimes it's ants in your pants. Sometimes it's mellow in your jello. I don't know. <laughs> Have you used that yet? No, but I may now. Well, you write that down. It's that's gold. I may now that I've said it out loud. That is songwriting gold, my friend. <laughs> Um, and to to give credit to those those ladies. So who was uh, singing there with you on? Mel Johnston and Kim Foxen. They are two wonderful ladies that have a band together called the Foxy Johnstons, mm-hmm. and they're really amazing together. But also they have um, separate things apart from each other as well. And 
became friends with them through Billy, Billy Oxtick. And uh, yeah, they sing in almost every song on the album, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, or at least more than half. It really gave it another level. I I completely agree. Uh, Having having the two of them sing was like, you know, it it gave it. uh, And they're such good harmony singers, you know, it's it's. Mm -hmm. And they're such naturals, too. Um, that when you get them in front of the mic, I mean, in one or two takes, they've got it, you know? So it wasn't like I was standing there like writing a a score of music and then handing it to them and like saying, sing this. They like came in and would, you know, hear the song and I would tell them what the lyrics were and then they would know what to sing. You know, their contributions Mm -hmm. were huge. As I say, not to keep blowing smoke up your ass, but I do love this album. Like I remember... You and I were texting and you were... Um, <laughs> Thanks for the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle. But you and I were texting because you were in quarantine. I think you'd just gotten back from somewhere and you had to quarantine in a hotel. And for some reason I had, I think, oh, that's right. I had posted, oh my God, I love this album. And we started messaging. And I wasn't kidding. I really, really loved it. And I sat down and listened to the whole thing back to front. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Thank you. I like to think it makes for a good... I like to think it makes for a good... Uh, traveling album Mm -hmm. if you are on the road or if you're on a road trip I like to think it's one of those albums that you can listen to between like oh if it's in the summertime even better because the summer you know the summer sun sets between you know eight and nine so if you've already had your truck stop burger and you get back on the highway to head west and the sun is sort of slowly setting I like to think it's one of those one of those records you know. I had written down this site. This is the soundtrack to driving a classic car on Route 69 across the country with sunshine and the top down. Well, there you thank are. you. And we just had uh, very similar thoughts, didn't we? Mm, we did. I just wanted to prove that I had written that down, not made you it up on it the indeed. spot. Well, prove point proven. <laughs> well, Kyle, there's one last question that I ask all of my guests, and it's what are you currently listening to on repeat right now? Oh my God. Let me just reach over here and get my liked songs out on Spotify. And I'll tell you exactly what I'm listening to. I'm listening to more Eddie Harris. Mm -hmm. He's a phenomenal saxophone player. My roommate uh, introduced me. I'm listening to Nighthawks at the Diner, that live Tom Waits album from 1975. If you haven't heard it, it's freaking unbelievable. Uh, he basically just kind of talks through most of the album. <laughs> He's such a good storyteller. Uh, Tom Waits, Muddy Waters Live at Newport is on my listening list right now. I'm going back to the blues. Uh, Muddy Waters Live at Newport, I think that's his best record, mm. or at least it's my favorite Muddy Waters record. He does all of his hits, but he also, it's just something about the energy of the audience and the band. There's even, a, we talk about mistakes, like, something about the style of the blues and it's also the way a blues band leader leads the band and the phrases aren't exactly uh you know uniform like you think of a 12 bar blues as kind of this rigid form if you haven't played the blues a lot but you kind of have to follow the vocals with the chord changes mm-hmm. and so listening to muddy waters do that is is really something i've been into lately but also i've been listening to some some newer stuff too. I mean, like my my top five things I've been listening to are the Pointer Sisters, Elvis, Tom Waits, Muddy Waters, and more Tom Waits. So not exactly 
coming through for the modern music <laughs> there. But I mean, I've been listening to Harry Styles also. Uh, who else have I been listening to? Sharon Jones, uh, Stevie Wonder. All right, it's mostly old music. All right, mostly old music. <laughs> Kyle, would you do me the honor of creating a playlist? Definitely. Oh, it's one of my favorite things to do. Of course, yeah. Uh, I actually have, for anybody who wants to check it out, if you go to my Spotify, uh, I'm Kyle Lacey. Go to Kyle Lacey on Spotify. If you scroll down that page, there is a playlist already there. It's called Mighty Mighty Music, and it's all the rhythm and blues classics that are my favorites, like uh, Roy Brown and Big Joe Turner, and uh, maybe Etta James is on there, I think. Um, But certainly James Brown... Uh, and some uh, of the Sun Records artists, too, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, um, and even a couple tracks, I think one by Van Morrison, one by Nina Simone, some jazz and some soul, you know, too, on there. Wonderful. Well, I will be sharing that playlist um, with our listeners in the show notes, so I'm sure people will have a ton of fun listening to that. It is. There's also this song on there called Ain't Got No Home by Clarence Frogman Henry. Uh, which is maybe one of my favorite rhythm and blues songs of all time. Uh, that that song in particular, people. Kyle, it has been a pleasure speaking with you. I'm very conscious of your time. I know you have a roommate who is uh, dying to to make loud noises. So, and and I know that you have a stew on uh, in your kitchen. The stew's on. The stew is is uh, <laughs> is is a stew, and now I got to chop some carrots and potatoes and throw them in and add a little bit of water. That's the next step. Boom. <laughs> Kyle Lacey, thank you so much for your time. I can't wait until the day, you know, you're playing a live show and I'm and I'm in the front and I'm mouthing all your words and wearing a Kyle Lacey t-shirt, you know, being the super fan that I am. Well, the same goes for me and one of your shows. And I can't wait till we can play together again at the nine wow. show. That was so much fun. And, you know, just, yeah, the same goes for me. Thank you for having me on. This was amazing. So fun. Kyle Lacey, thank you so much. The charismatic Kyle Lacey. You can find Kyle at kylelaceymusic.com and on Instagram at kylelaceywrites. His album, The Road to Nowhere, is out everywhere, so go and take a listen to the full album. Those details and his playlist are in today's show notes. If you want to catch the full interview with Kyle, I actually post the videos exclusively to our Facebook group, This next song's about Dash Inner Circle, ahead of the podcasts being published, so I hope that you'll go and join the group and connect with me there. The link is also in the show notes. I'm Stevie Manns. Thank you so much for listening to This Next Song's About. I will be back next week with another brilliant artist for you, so make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts.